You're listening to Ember Weekend, your weekend recap of all things Ember. This is episode 32. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson, and we're here to keep you in the Ember Run Loop. We're broadcasting from Hashrocket HQ. It's October 26th, and today's episode is called I Heart Ember NYC. So Friday afternoon, we launched our blog. This is the blog that we live-coded. Sorry. Can I not yay in the middle of your talking? Yay! yay. <laughs> just keep yaying, yay. Like the whole time. Just one yay all the way through. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about the blog. I can't say it. I'm excited. I'm excited too. I'm excited because we literally have to do no effort <laughs> to blog now. Yeah. Uh, Jake did all the work for us. It's great. Yeah. TIL works great as a database. Yeah. And uh, and we were lucky enough to get uh, design help from Rye Mason yet again, uh, sponsored by Hashrocket. She was actually allotted some time to, to work on it for us, which was pretty great. And the work, I think, turned out really, really good, especially considering we had some kind of bizarre constraints around, you know, pulling out the HTML from TIL. We are getting already parsed markdown. So it's just raw HTML straight out of a gem called Rouge, which which actually Rouge doesn't support ES6. That's a side note. Um, so we have some weird things that we have to tweak about uh, about getting ES6 in, uh, syntax highlighting. Also HTML bars. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think anyone knows how to parse HTML bars. <laughs> right. I, wait, maybe maybe uh, maybe GitHub flavored Markdown does like on their actual site, but I think Rouge uses red carpet. So unless GitHub is maintaining that, I'm not 100% certain how how up to date red carpet is being kept. But uh, yeah, so we got some design. It looks really good. We managed to add an individual blog show route uh, by using the permalink from TIL itself. We were able to get things like active state on nav links and a strange player bug uh, with the audio player where uh, we, once we shifted from using a static file and reading them at compile time to switching over to using Ember data, we ended up needing to deal with some asynchrony. Even though we're already loading some basically fixture data, we still are dealing with it asynchronously because that's how Mirage presents it to us. So it's at least next tick. So because of that, we ended up with a situation where under certain circumstances, the player wouldn't play the episode. So we managed to fix that. And that actually brings me to a point that I really wanted to make kind of like known to the public on the on the podcast is that if you notice a problem with Ember Weekend, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Ember Weekend. We, uh, we absolutely love when we get feedback because it, it helps us to make the site better. So if you ever run into an issue with emberweekend.com, just reach out to us and we will, we will get to it as soon as we possibly can. And we'll at least uh, put issues in and, you know, we'll try to try our best to track things down. But yeah, bug reports are welcome and encouraged and that'd be very helpful for us too. So uh, if you're feeling uh, particularly giving and you notice a bug, just let us know. This past Friday, Jeffrey Biles posted a blog on codeschool.io. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Uh, it, it basically outlined seven of the reasons that, to me anyways, are like the seven strongest points of Ember, like the reasons to use it, the reasons why it's relevant. It has to do with, you know, uh, its community, strong convention over configuration, and uh, and many more. And, and I think they're, these points are so well articulated that it's something that if, if you're kind of uh, going back and forth between, you know, one framework or another or no framework and, and a framework, uh, this might be something to look at, and if you're uh, passionate about Ember and you want to do it in your day-to-day uh, job, it might be a post that's worth pointing out to your coworkers or your tech lead or, or whatever to kind of get them thinking about why Ember might be a really good fit. So I definitely enjoyed it, and, and uh, Jeffrey Biles is super great. He does um, many free uh, Ember screencasts, and I definitely encourage anyone to go who's who's interested in learning Ember to go there and, and take a look at that as well. So uh, many reasons to go and read this blog post. Definitely, definitely encouraged to to check it out. Next, we're going to talk about a 
a kind of a rather long uh, YouTube video with uh, Yehuda and Gavin Joyce doing a walkthrough of the Ember source code. Uh, this, for me personally, this would have been so helpful a few years ago. It was it was helpful anyways, but like maybe a year ago when I was kind of trying to dive into Ember Source just to kind of learn more about it. But this is something that is so uh, beneficial. It kind of he walks you through uh, each kind of package of Ember and along the way, kind of going down rabbit trails of interesting things about uh, ES6 specifically and some other things. And during this time, uh, he's walking you through the packages in Ember.js's source code from the most dependencies they have to the, or no, I'm sorry, from the least dependencies uh, to the most. So we kind of start out at Ember Metal and then go to um, oh, Ember Runtime, I want to say, uh, and then and then so on and so on and so on. And in each time, he's kind of explaining like the direction of Ember and kind of where they're at now and how we'll see changes over time with these things. So maybe you'll write a code like this and he's like, oh yeah, but eventually when we get to this later, this is what it's going to look like. And he ends up with this giant scratch file that I think he opened up inside of one of the Ember.js packages. And it just ends up being like 20, uh, 20 lines per per minute of him just like showing you really cool, like intricate JavaScript and, and things about simplifying APIs and stuff. It's very inspirational to see uh, how known, how understood a lot of the code bases and a lot of how how well understood the future changes will be. Um, I know uh, it's it's a little long, but if you watch it at double speed, it's still kind of it's it, it's recorded at very high quality, so running it at higher speed still sounds good. So I listen to it at uh, two at double speed, and uh, and I feel like this is such a interesting and unique kind of look into the Ember code. So uh, definitely worth uh, worth a look. And this is a uh, one part of uh, a series I want to say that um, that Gavin Joyce has released. I think there was another one uh, with regard to maybe Elixir. I want to say uh, I actually haven't seen any of those, but um, I, I saw them on Twitter. So we'll try to find those, rustle up those links, and put them in the show notes so you can if you if you like that style of like get get with somebody and kind of let them walk you through it and kind of talk back and forth. Uh, if you like that style of video, then this might be something that's you know right up your right up your alley. So uh, we'll try to rustle up some links and and get that out to you. This last Thursday at Inver NYC, uh, Edward Faulkner gave a talk on uh, basically all these things that you can stop doing in the latest versions of Ember and maybe g- good new practices that you should be doing. It was a really great talk, and it covered a lot of the things we've mentioned briefly, but really in depth with a lot of great code examples. Uh, the first one of those uh, is the new Git helper. And John and I suspected that the Git helper was something we would be using now, like much more often, but I didn't really understand the power of it. But Edward Faulkner shows a really good example uh, where you can get some dynamic behavior, like dynamic binding, and it, it eliminates some complexity in code that I know I've written. Uh, so I plan on going back and refactoring to, to get this behavior. So the example he gave was if you're creating computed properties on the fly uh, because you have some... Um, you know, some drop down or something that's selecting what section something is showing. Uh, in this case, I think it was a it was a field uh, of a form, and you were having to say something like, um, you know, value equals model dot value, and um, maybe errors equals model dot you know errors. Um, so uh, if you're doing this over and over and over again, you're able to just pass in a string and say, here's your model. The thing you're rendering is foo, uh, and it was a it was a really good pattern. Uh, I can't wait to start using it. Yeah, I, I really think the strength of this talk, and we're about to talk to through many of the examples here, was the examples that he came up with. He came up with very good use cases for this new technology. Uh, the the case that uh, Chase is talking about is the input uh, making an input helper that knows how to handle errors, 
And uh, and he showed a couple slides back to back where he would he would invoke an input, and then right below that he would invoke another input, and he would say, okay, well I need the model, so model equals you know model dot last name. And then uh, the next slide he's like, oh yeah, well what if we want errors? So now we have to do model equals model dot last name error equals model dot errors dot last name. And uh, and then he's like, oh yeah. And then he went to the next slide and he's like, this slide has a typo. And it, and like he paused. And like everyone's like slowly kind of throughout the ripple throughout the crowd. Everyone's like, uh, oh, I see it because he didn't capitalize the N in the last name property uh, on the error side. And it was really interesting to see like how you can use the the same kind of construct. But rather than doing it multiple times, you can say, OK, well, I'm just going to pass this thing. It's last name. And then inside you say get model last name. And then when you want to get to the errors thing, you say get uh, model dot errors dot, you know, string that was passed in. And uh, and that using that get helper in that way allows you to dynamically do it so that you don't have to pass a million properties through. He made a point to talk about how he he thinks that you should be pushing your information into the templates to be as declarative as possible. So in this case, it would be super declarative. Um, you have like one thing at invocation, but then your your component has all this logic that is no longer kind of obscured um, by passing in computeds and and other things, but rather there's like very specific things like, okay, I see what's happening uh, and, and I could just read this template and know exactly what it means. Uh, the next little example that uh, Edward gave was that initializers have changed a little bit. There are certain things you can't do. Most important is you don't get an instance of the application or the container in the initializer anymore. But he gave an example of why if that is a problem for you, there are ways to fix it and get around it. Um, and do things in other places that are actually more well-suited for those things. And he gave an example of how to move those things into services or into the right folder so that Ember's lookup system automatically finds them, uh, and you no longer need to do a bunch of crazy things in initializers. Um, I learned something really interesting, uh, you know, that you could actually uh, put some, anything in any folder, and then you can do a lookup. And so, so the example he gave was uh, you could create a magical folder with a file called unicorn.js, and then you can then look up magical colon unicorn, and that'll actually find the thing. I didn't realize you could make a folder for anything. Yeah, you could. You can use the inject thing. You don't have to actually call register if it's in the right uh, file path, which is really interesting. Yeah, it's probably still a bad idea. And and the example he gave was like this: unicorn is actually a, really a service. So this would probably move into service colon unicorn. And that point, you would just say ember dot inject service unicorn. Yeah, which which I think that the more the more examples he gave, the more it was clear that most use cases for initializers are really just services that you you haven't explored the APIs of enough. So that was really interesting. And once again, the example is a magical unicorn. So he's he's like two for two as of as of like point two. The next thing he mentioned was that he's noticed that a lot of people are uh, calling render inside of their routes to do things like render a certain controller or a certain template inside of a particular area. Um, and we've we've done this in the past, and it always felt like a, like it was a pain to get it to work right. And that actually is intentional. You're, when you when you find yourself doing that, you're actually fighting the way Ember wants to be rendered, um, which is to be driven by the URL, um, and that should map to a route. And so this should uh, your outlets and everything should reflect the way Ember is designed to be laid out. And if you're doing things like this, you're kind of fighting the behavior of where Ember wants to render. And the code he showed that would fix this was to basically uh, move all of those renders into uh, kind of separating them out into services and then also creating components. And then the components can do things like look up the service they need to get the data and just you just render that component in a certain area. Um, and then you don't have to do things like um, you may want a sidebar or something like that. You can just render the sidebar and the sidebar gets maybe some user service to render the user in that area instead of in the route 
having to go look up the user and then say, hey, render the user controller um, in this, with this template uh, in the sidebar outlet. Um, so it was, a, it was a really good example. Um, it was some, just one of those things that now when I go to use render in a, in a route, uh, I'll just immediately think there's probably a better way to do this with components. Yeah. And the last thing I want to mention from Edward's talk is uh, his, he, he's basically saying, uh, once again, uh, from, from earlier, he's saying push, uh, make, make your templates as declarative as possible and push the, the information that is relevant. Make sure that you are spelling everything out so that it's very easy to understand. And uh, one of the ways uh, that he encourages you to kind of do that is to use the helper API. Helpers are awesome. They are super simple. I, I see constantly examples popping up from Edward and some other people in the Ember community Slack. So using this helper API is very simple. It used to be kind of confusing and a little bit hard to kind of wrap your head around. Uh, and it also changed a little bit. So he, he mentions that the helper API wasn't always, you know, fully baked. And very, you know, very recently, maybe 112 or 111, they did a revamp. And in two, there's Ember helper helper, which has a really great API. And uh, I think it's going to yield some really cool things. And uh, it's possibly more performant with Glimmer than uh, computed properties. So there's that. Although performance is usually a weak argument. So, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, hit or miss depending on your use case. And it, it makes refactoring easier. So if you have uh, the example that he gave, once again, his examples are great. Um, he gave an example of uh, formatting price on some raw data, like from a POJO. And if you wanted to do that with a computed property, you end up having to like, iterate over it in a computed property and for each one kind of decorate that thing with another object. And that's like a whole layer of, of indirection that you don't need when you can just say, okay, uh, I'll just loop over the products and and then, you know, for each product.price, pass it to the helper format price and it works. So uh, I find myself reaching for helpers more and more. Um, and I have like, I'm, I'm kind of accruing like this, this like tool belt of, 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 helpers that I, I just know that I want, like concat and, uh, you know, add and all the, all the truth helpers for sure. Um, but every, every so often format, formatting dates, I use helpers for that every time, um, or moment if, if, uh, if I can swing that. So. Yeah. And one of the other uh, good things about helpers is they're much easier to test than a component. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. yeah. So you can, you can unit test them. They, you know, cause given the same input, they should basically always have the same output unless like he mentioned, there's uh, some weird examples where you might want a service um, in a very complicated uh, helper, um, like the link to or something. Yeah, though he does encourage not to use these just as decorator methods, but rather to, to think about them as like ways to kind of modularize your code. Um, so sometimes you would actually potentially need a service like you're saying. And and if that's the case, then it might not be a bad idea to use a helper for it um, because services are available in helpers too. So So generally like, you know, you should probably not be having services in there, but he did, he did say that like, he never says never, he never says don't ever do that because there's always a case where you, you might not want to. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, all in all, this was a great talk. And this was one of, of several talks of the evening. Um, we'll probably be covering another one, uh, up, uh, in a future episode with regard to contextual components. So it's something I, I really think that, uh, anyone who is listening to this podcast should probably also try to tune in to Ember NYC. It's got, a really great lineup, and it's uh, very well organized, and uh, it's a, it's an inspiration as a as a as a um, meetup organizer myself, uh, uh, Chase and I. I think it's just an inspiration to see like how big and healthy the ecosystem is there, and kind of get tips and tricks on how to bring that bring a little piece of that home. And these all end up on YouTube, right? And uh, I think they're broadcast live. Yeah, correct. And and they're not the only ones. I think uh, Boston also streams um, live. Uh, NYC for sure. 
uh, Silicon Valley, I believe, but I don't know if they stream live. I think they they record later. Yeah, there's there's a few out there that are definitely like probably want to watch every month because they're they're very interesting and touch on a lot of really good topics. Thanks for listening to Ember Weekend. If you'd like to follow along, visit us at emberweekend.com. Or you can find us at Ember Weekend, all one word, on Twitter. Or subscribe via RSS. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next weekend. 